we're in the account in Luke, Luke 24, and if you want to text this morning, it's the question that the angels ask the women who had come to the tomb early that Sunday morning. Verse 5, the second part, what do they call that, 5B or something? Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. Uh, three things I want to say about this. The dead, the realm of the dead. Uh, these uh, women uh, had come to embalm the body of Jesus Christ, that they had brought uh, different spices in order to do that. But Jesus had died on the Friday. And because it uh, was the Sabbath on the Saturday, uh, they were going to rest. Uh, they were not able to do anything with the body. Now, the Jewish Sabbath uh, didn't start at uh, 12 o'clock in the morning on the Saturday. It started sundown on the Friday. And then it ended sundown on the Saturday. I'll never forget in Jerusalem on the Friday evening, uh, trying to uh, wander around the old city, looking at the sites, being pushed aside by a group of ultra-Orthodox Jews on their way to the synagogue. So, aware of that timing, the women would probably sunset on the Saturday, so it's still Saturday night for us. They would have gone and brought the spices, and before the sunrise on the Sunday, because we're told, aren't we, on the first day of the week, very early in the morning, so it was probably still dark, so actually the day hadn't started yet, sunrise, that's important uh, in uh, the Jewish tradition. So they're Saturday people. Now when I was a boy, Saturday was my favourite day of the week, and Sunday was the worst day. But I want you to think this morning the other way around. I want you to think of Saturday as being synonymous with the dead, with no hope, with that it, full stop. We die. That's what these women are representing. They're Saturdays, children, as one person puts it. It's dark. It's not just dark as they're going to the tomb. It's dark morally and spiritually. And we must understand how they would be feeling. They had put their hopes in Jesus of Nazareth as the Messiah. And now he had been crucified. He was dead and buried. Their hope is gone. Saturday's children. What were they doing on that Easter Sunday morning? They weren't doing what we are doing. We are here to celebrate. They were there to basically bury him. Now, have you come to church this 
Easter Sunday morning in the same spirit as these women. You're still a Saturday child. There's, there's something very poignant here, isn't there? When you're sorrowing, sleep doesn't come easily. There's a saying, sorrow wakes early. Have you been there? The, these women, I don't think, had had any sleep. The, the, their hopes were dashed. What were they going to do now with the rest of their lives? Do you know what? We are all by nature Saturday's children. We are in the realm of the dead. I know we are not dead yet, but God says spiritually we are dead in trespasses and sins. There is no spiritual life in us by nature. It doesn't matter if we are religious or if we are secular. We are as dead as a dodo. That's why conversion is a miracle. It takes as much of a supernatural act to convert somebody brought up in church as somebody who is out and out in the world. And this is how Paul puts it, writing to the Corinthians early on in the chapter that we started the service with. If there is no resurrection of the dead, then is Christ not risen? And if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain? I might as well give up. There's no point, Nathan, you going into the ministry. If we're just Saturday's children, if Christ be not risen, then is our preaching in vain, and your faith is also in vain. We might as well just throw in the towel. Death. Hang on, you'll say, this is a very morbid message you're preaching. I thought Easter Sunday was to be a joyous occasion. Well, we're getting there. But the point of the joy is Jesus Christ has conquered something. And if you see the magnitude of what Jesus Christ has saved us from, then your rejoicing will be greater. As John Owen put the title of his work, uh, you don't get titles like this anymore. Long titles, but glorious titles. The death of death and the death of Christ. But let's look at this realm of death, Saturday's children. We're all going to die one day. Whoever will be giving the announcements will be announcing one day your death, your funeral. Saturday's children. I like this illustration. All the world's a hospital, somebody said. And we are in it. And we've got a disease. And that disease is called sin. And you know what? It's terminal. It's terminal. Man is appointed once to die, and after that, the judgment. Do you realize you're in the realm of the dead? You're spiritually dead now, but one day you will physically die. That separation of body and soul. The body goes into the ground. The soul goes into eternity. 
these women, when they met these two angels, they were afraid. Uh, the word in verse 4 uh, says they were greatly perplexed, but the root meaning is they were frightened. And the shining garments that the uh, two men wore, uh, the same word is used of Jesus' transfiguration, the glory that shone in uh, that event. And these women are face to face with the glory of God. And that glory is being reflected in angelic beings. But imagine what it's going to be like one day after we die to stand before he who is light and in him is no darkness. The angels that surround thy throne, as Thomas Binney said, can bear that burning bliss, but that is surely theirs alone for they have never, ever known a fallen world like this. Oh, how can I? Have you ever had this conviction? Oh, how can I, whose native's fear is dark? It's not just dark outside, it's dark inside, whose mind is dim before the ineffable, before this infinite being appear, and on my naked spirit bear that uncreated beam. None of us can. None of us. We're terminal there was a very moving piece in the Guardian newspaper yesterday about a man in his 30s. Now, that, for me, is young. If you're in your 30s, you're still young. And this man, after many tests, had been given a diagnosis of cancer, and it was terminal. Imagine having that news in your 30s. And he was told, you've basically got a year to live. And then this man did something that was probably very wise, he sought a second opinion. And the second opinion said, no, you're not terminally ill. And we can treat this condition. Now, the point of the article was this. This man, for months, had lived under the shadow of only having one year left to live. And he would be looking at other dads. He had a young daughter. And as he would take his daughter to school, he would look at the other dads who seemed so bored. And he would say to himself, you don't know how lucky you are. You've got your life ahead of you. I'm going to die. And then when he heard the good news, or the second opinion, he realized it was all right. But that man is still going to die. <laughs> whether it's in a year or whether it's in 50 years' time. We're all going to die. We're all going one day to have to stand before God. Are you ready? I'm not ready in and of myself. The fact that I'm a pastor doesn't make any difference all the years I've preached, I've lost count of the number of sermons I've preached now. It must be hundreds and hundreds. That is not going to make me any better. All of your attendance at church isn't going to give you any brownie points with God. None of us are ready. That's why we need Jesus Christ. Saturdays, children. Saturdays, children. But this is the good news. This is what we want to move on to. It's not just the realm of the dead, is it? There is a hope. There is a hope that burns within my heart. How did that come about? I wasn't born with this hope, but I have met a person who gave me that hope. Why do you seek the living 
among the dead. Jesus Christ is risen. Is it in uh, Moldova? Uh, the Easter Sunday service begins with the pastor stating, He is risen, and the congregation says, He is risen indeed. You can have a hope. You don't have to be a Saturday child. You can become, you know what I'm going to say, a Sunday child. Sunday. Sunday. When I was converted, Sunday straight away became the favorite day of my week. Now, I was going to worship this, not just God, but this wonderful person, Jesus Christ, that God had provided as my Lord and Savior. And now there was this life of Jesus Christ in my soul. And you remember, those of you who are saved, those first few months of new life. It's all so fresh, isn't it? Uh, you can't get enough sermons. You can't get enough singing his praises. You can't get enough fellowship with those who have experienced the same thing. You can't get enough telling other people about it. Just like these women are going to do. Now then, how does that happen? How can a child of darkness, a child who is dead, Saturday's child, be transformed into a child of light, a child who has a hope of eternal life, Sunday's child? Well, the answer is Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Do you enjoy reading biographies? I love biographies. And every biography, in terms of the account, ends with the death of the person. You'll probably have chapters after that analyzing the legacy of that person and how they influenced people around them. But to all intents and purposes, the life ends when the person breathes his last. The biography of Jesus Christ is unique because it doesn't end. Luke's gospel doesn't end in chapter 23 when Jesus is put in the tomb. There's chapter 24. Why? It's not analyzing what Jesus had accomplished in his life and death. But now he has risen from the dead. And there is the next chapter after the last, as Tozer puts it, which is even better. And Luke went on to write the Acts of the Apostles because even though Jesus had ascended and physically he's in heaven, he is still working by his Spirit. 2,000 years of Christ's power. Not just the book of Acts, that was just the beginning. Oh, my friends, Jesus' biography is completely different and that's what can give you and I hope. Look at how these angels give that hope to these women. Here they come, completely depressed. Have you seen that painting, The Hopeless Dawn? A person is probably grieving, and they've not been asleep all, all night. They've not been able to shut their eyes. And then the dawn comes, and they are just so restless, so filled with despair. I can imagine the women being like that. I can imagine them just trudging along to the tomb. They're going to a funeral. And they loved Jesus of Nazareth. That's why they wanted to uh, embalm the body. But there's no joy there. There's no joy. 
And then they see these angelic beings and they're afraid. This is the fear, uh, the fear uh, that has torment to it. And then something happens. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but is risen. What do they do, the angels? Do they try to persuade these women that because the stone has been removed, uh, that that uh, must mean that Jesus is risen? They didn't, did they? What did they do? Remember how he spoke to you when he was still in Galilee. What do they do? All they do is quote Scripture. Now, wouldn't you like to have an angel preaching in the pulpits this morning? I'd, lo I'd love to have an angel. But if you had an angel here, the angel would just quote the Word of God. Nathan will be looking tonight at the two on the road to Emmaus. They had something even better than an angel. They had Jesus himself drawn near, and they didn't recognize him at first. What did Jesus do to prove his resurrection? He could have said, look here. That's an even better argument, isn't it, than who moved the stone? Look here, I'm with you. But he didn't. What did he do? Exactly the same as the angels here. He quoted the scriptures. How simple how simple. And look at what they remind them from the Scriptures. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. You, you can't get any plainer than that, can you? What are they reminding these women of? The old, old story of Jesus and his love. Again and again, especially after Caesarea Philippi, Jesus had hammered it home into the minds and hearts of the disciples that the Son of Man must suffer and then rise again. It didn't go in. Because when these women who had believed the word of the angels, went and reported it to the 11 apostles. They thought that they had gone mad. Idle tales. They did not believe them. Oh, slow of heart to believe all that has been written. Aren't we like that? Isn't that our problem? Those of us who are believers, we're so slow to take God at his word. Let, let me do what the angels are doing with these women. Let me just stand in this pulpit and just remind you of the old, old story of Jesus and his love. What I like about this church is you'll get the old, old story in the hymns as well as in the sermon. Living, he loved me. Dying, he saved me. Buried, he carried my sins far away. Rising, he justified freely forever. And one day he's coming, O oh, glorious day. You can't get it any clearer than that, can you? Jesus Christ, God's Son, became one of us, a perfect human being. The God-man, two natures, one person, 
He came to live the perfect life in our place. He came specifically to do one thing, to hang on that Roman cross. It looked as if it was all over, but it wasn't. At the exact point, Jesus' enemies thought that they got him. That was when God fulfilled the mighty plan of his great love. Because it was on that cross that Jesus took the punishments for our sins as we reminded ourselves on Good Friday. And because the wages of sin is death, he had to die. He had to. And in dying for our sins, he took the sting out of death. So even though a believer still has to die, unless Jesus returns first, there's no more sting in death. Death is now but an entrance into our eternal inheritance. And because Jesus had accomplished all the work of our salvation, because he had paid the debts of all of our sins, because he had drank the cup of the wrath of God down to the bottom, death couldn't hold on to him. Death had to release him. And Jesus rose from the dead and that was God the Father as well, amening what his Son had accomplished. This is God the Father saying to us, look, what Jesus of Nazareth did by his life and death is sufficient for you. I don't need anything else. I don't need your good works. I don't need your religion. All I need is Jesus' perfect life and atoning death. And if you trust in that, you are saved. What a gospel. I was blind once. Maybe you still are to this. But now I see. Do you see? Are you Sunday's child? Is there a hope in your hearts? Not because of what you've done, but simply what Jesus Christ has done has become yours. You have believed, you have believed. Do we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ? Not just head knowledge, that's called easy believism. Not just assenting to the truth of it, but abandoning ourselves to him. Sunday's children. Sunday is the best day of the week because Sunday is resurrection day. Sunday is the day in which Jesus Christ rose triumphant over all our enemies. Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was once asked to preach in Merthyr. You had some characters, if I say that, in Merthyr. And this man was a boxer. And Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones was asked to preach and he had to face these hard men. And he didn't know, what am I going to say here? What am I going to do to communicate the gospel? And what Dr. Martin did was this. The fights that this boxer couldn't win. That's good, isn't it? The fights that he couldn't win. He couldn't beat death. Only Jesus Christ has conquered death. And you know what? You may not be a boxer. You may be a wimp. But the weakest believer, the vilest offender... As a man was converted in Pembrokeshire, uh, reading or listening to that verse, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. What a gospel. 
To God be the glory. Great things he hath done. Sunday's children. Are you still in the realm of the dead? Or have you come into the life that is found in Jesus Christ? Now, my last point is just tying all these things together. Look at these women now. They went at the beginning of the chapter in darkness as Saturday's children. They went towards the tomb. They were going to mourn. They were going to bury Jesus Christ. After hearing this simple message, this wonderful gospel, what happens to them? They turn around. That's what Christianity is. It's a turnaround. It's repentance. Repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. They were going towards the tomb. Now, having believed Jesus Christ, they are going from the tomb. I like that. Christianity isn't going to the grave. It's going from the grave. The grave is not our goal. The sky is. Uh, There is something else here, isn't there? They are going towards Galilee. What's Galilee? What's the significance of that? What's going to happen in Galilee? They are going to meet Jesus. And what is Jesus going to do in Galilee? He's going to ascend back to heaven. That's what they are going towards. They're not going towards death and eternal death and the end of this universe. But they're going towards life and a new heaven and a new earth. And the most blessed thing is the presence of Jesus Christ. The Lamb is all the glory in Emmanuel's land. What about us? Are we going towards the tomb? That's your life. That's your life. If you're still not a believer, you're getting older. We're all getting older. Do you, do you like getting older? I, I, I struggle. I, I like to keep fit. And it's, it's so frustrating uh, not being able uh, to jog as far as I once could. That The body is, is getting frailer. But the life of Jesus is growing in us. And even though the outward man is perishing, the inner man is being renewed day by day. Your life, if you're outside of Christ, is from life unto death. And if you're not right with God at the point of death, eternal death. If you've believed in Jesus Christ, if you've experienced this turnaround, do you know what the trajectory of your life is now? From death unto life. Alive. Alive in Jesus Christ. Alive. So as uh, one preacher put it, if you're a believer and you're having a birthday, don't, don't don't just dismiss it celebrate it but not as the world does have an onwards and upwards birthday party what about us are we Saturday's children or Sunday's children sometimes you wonder don't you how many churches are just like synagogues. The, the synagogue in Jesus' day would have been sound. 
The scriptures, the Old Testament scriptures, that's all they had, would have been opened correctly. They would have done everything right. And there's nothing wrong with doing things in order. I'm not saying a word against that. But my point is this. That's all you had in the synagogue. There was no life there. There was no living saviour there. The written word leads to what? The living word. How many, even evangelical churches, are just becoming synagogue-like? We need to be careful. It's life that Jesus gives. The life of God in the soul of man. These women, they, they weren't just religious, were they? In a way, they were, and we are religious. We read the Bible, we pray, we sing God's praises, but that's just the outward. There is a dynamism behind what we do on the outside. And not only is their life there, look at these women. They've got a message, haven't they? Verse 8, and they remembered his words. And then they don't go towards the grave. They go from the grave to the world that is dying. And they have a wonderful message. And the apostles didn't believe them at first. My friends, we have a message it doesn't matter who you are as a believer this morning. It doesn't matter how little your gifts may be. Maybe you've never stood in front of people and taught them the Bible, but you've still got a message. This church has a message. Jesus lived and died for me. And because there is life, there's something going out of us, isn't there? What's the difference between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea? Do you know what's the difference? The Dead Sea is dead, and it's shrinking. It stinks as well. It's not a nice place, the Dead Sea. It's shrinking because there's nothing going out of it. The Sea of Galilee, on the other hand, it's smaller, but the Jordan River flows out of it. And a believer, a church, is like the Sea of Galilee. Well, my time is running out, but I want all of you to become Sunday's children. I want Sunday, if Sunday is the most boring day of the week for you, if you have to come to church because your parents tell you to, oh, I long that the life of Jesus Christ would so come into your hearts that not only would you be saved and have a hope of heaven, but that you would just relish spiritual life. Do you know what? Every Sunday is Resurrection Day, isn't it? Every Sunday is a day when we celebrate the Lord's death and resurrection and the fact that he lives, he lives. And by this I know he lives. He lives within my heart. And yes, we're going to have to die one day. But let me quote what D.L. Moody wrote. You probably know the words. This was 19th century. Someday, so they didn't have social media, not even television. Someday you will read in the papers that D.L. Moody is dead. Don't you believe a word of it. At that moment, I shall be more alive than I am now. I shall have gone up higher, that is all. 
out of this old clay tenement. Remember those tenements that they used to have? Remember those tenements in Glasgow? Moody says, I will have left this tenement of a body and I'll be in a mansion that is immortal. A body that death cannot touch, that sin cannot taint, a body fashioned like unto his glorious body. What a gospel this is that changes Saturday's children into Sunday's children, that transforms us from darkness into the kingdom of light, that translates us from death and despair into life and hope. I like the authorised version's rendering of living hope, a lively hope. There's something lively about Christianity. People don't usually think of our traditional services as being lively, but let me tell you, New Testament worship is lively. We are lively, aren't we? I think we are. The way we were singing the hymns this morning, we're lively, and we want more life, don't we? Not some worked-up emotion that the Holy Spirit just being poured upon us. Well, I better leave it at that. But what about you? Are you still Saturday's child? You're going in one direction, my friend, and it's not going to end well. Or are you going to turn around, repent, believe this gospel, and become Sunday's child? And I don't know what this life will throw at you. Becoming a Christian doesn't mean an easier life. It means probably a tougher life. But in the storm, they say there's a calm at the eye of the storm. And in that storm, there is one with you. Because that living Savior is with you, never to leave you nor forsake you. Have a happy, happy Easter uh, for his namesake. Amen.